We welcome you in this place, Lord. Let's just lift our hands to him. God, we just present ourselves in a position of praise. Just to say we welcome you here today, in this place. The reason each and every one of us are here is because of you. And today we choose to come into this house and to give you glory and honor and praise. And today, God, we declare that you are a good God. We declare that you are amazing in all your ways. We declare that you are full of love and grace and mercy. Father, today we choose to come to you and to honor you in Jesus' name. Let's just give him a clap offering. Thank you, Father. Jesus. 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 Mm. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we want to welcome you to Spruce Grove Community Church. If this is your first time, we pray that God will touch your hearts today in a new way, in a fresh way. If this is your home church, we know he's going to do the same thing. He loves you. His hearts are for each one in this place. But today we choose to come in this house to posture ourselves to honor him because he's such a good God. Darlene, why don't you come on up here? Where's Darlene? Darlene is such a wonderful woman, isn't she? This is a mama in our church. I mean, this woman, if you knew how much she prays for this house, for this community, for each individual, this is a true prayer warrior of the faith. And God has laid just a scripture on her heart, and she's just going to share that scripture, and she's going to kind of open the door for us today as we go into worship. We were praying this morning about the eternal purpose of God, that we would be caught up into his purpose and understand the bigger pictures. And this is out of Isaiah 62. It's an end time scripture, a messianic scripture. It says, because I just want to say the Lord is forever interceding for us and we're learning to enter into that intercession so that you can hear this from your own heart or from the Lord speaking it to us. Because I love Zion, I will not keep silent. Because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. This is to us. And world leaders will be blinded by your glory. And you are given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see a splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or a desolate land. Your name, your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God for the Lord delights in you and you will and will claim you as his bride and your children will commit themselves to you O Jerusalem praise your father that's a big picture lord 
I pray today, God, each one of us will connect with your eternal purpose. That we are not a forsaken people. Our land will not be desolate. We are a watered people. Your source is eternal in our hearts. God, that let the wellspring come up in each soul that brings provision. Father, make this real in our spirit, man. Rise up, city of God. You are not desolate. You are not forsaken. You have a new name. You are a new people called out to the living God. We come into our identity, Lord. We covenant with you as you have covenanted with us that we would be found faithful. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your patience and your mercy to us. Water, water to the desolate land. Thank you, Lord. So as we worship today, let's go to that well. Let's honor him. Let's worship him. Amen. That is who you are. We declare that in Jesus' name. That is who you are. You are the way maker. You are the promise keeper. That is who you are. Just feel right now that there's an opportunity for faith. I feel like God wants to place in some of our hearts faith. Drew shared some stuff with me a couple moments ago, and I agree with them. There's an opportunity for faith in this room right now. Our faith is at a certain point, but God is saying, you know what? It's going to continue to grow each and every day. There's an opportunity right now for more faith. And so God is saying, if you want more faith, just reach your hands up to him and begin to say, God, increase my faith. Increase our faith, oh God. Right now in this house, Father God, each person in this house, God, touch them right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Father God. Father, we pray for faith. We pray for faith. We pray for faith. We pray for faith, Father God. Would you touch each heart right now in the name of Jesus Christ? That's who you are. That's who you are, Jesus. Can we say amen to that? I'm going to bring somebody up here because we're going to have a testimony. Are you ready, buddy? Sure, yeah, yeah. This is Nathan. I don't know if you know Nathan or not. Nathan is an amazing guy. I mean, this guy, what, it's been maybe six, seven months you've been coming, or has it been a little longer? A year? A year and like three, four months. Okay, time just flies by. Okay, what do I know? Anyways, this guy's a really good guy. He's been here for a year and three months or four months. And uh, I've just been getting to know him. And I just love this guy because he's just actually come and submitted himself in and said, you know what, I just want to get to know you. I want to get to know the Lord more. And he's come to my office. He spent time with me where we've been able just to pray and talk about life and vision. And this guy right here has made a decision with his life that he's going to go into the ministry. So he's made the choice that he's going to go to Bible college. He's going to do all that stuff, right? And, and I'm just so thankful for it. But I, I think it, it was time for him to come up. And, and he actually initiated this because he said, you know what? I want to share my testimony with the body, right? He initiated this. I didn't ask him to do it. And when I heard what he was sharing with me, I just thought it was powerful and beautiful. And I think he needs to learn how to get up in front of people too because if he's going to be a pastor, 
He's got to figure this stuff out eventually, right? All right, are you ready? Yes. All right, let's give this guy a hand. Good practice for my wedding in two weeks, too. So, uh, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Nathan Stoffer. I have um, the pleasure to meet a few of you here, not everybody. I'm not the most outgoing guy, but always feel free to say hi. So my testimony... So over the past years, I was progressing with my relationship with God. He told me there were some barriers in my life that were keeping me from him. For me, for those of you who don't know, I've always been huge into video games with my friends. That's how we communicated and all that. He told me I had to give up some stuff in my life that were big distractions. I am shaking. <laughs> don't drink a large coffee of two sugar and an espresso shot right before you do this. <laughs> my whole body is vibrating. Uh, yeah, so there are a few things in my life that were keeping me from him. I was video games, my anger towards people and towards God, and to obey the laws of the land. Uh, when I was reading the scripture, Jesus was telling him, I can't remember who right now, they're telling him, like, you need to obey the laws. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And he's like, God was like, you speed a lot. Why are you doing that? It's dangerous. I'm like, I like, I like sleeping in and speeding to work. So that was a big one for me. It was very difficult to give up. Still working on it, but... So giving up on video games was the hardest for me because I've been playing it for over 20 years now. And I made a lot of long-lasting friendships due to video games. Also learned... That's how I learned how to communicate with people. I was an extremely shy guy, and if you told me I was coming up here on the weekend, I would have, like, no, not what have happened. Yeah, that's how I learned how to communicate with people. I made a lot of friends... Um, but it also creates a lot of bad habits if you're not careful with video games or with anything in your life. Um, it transferred. But in September, when God kind of told me that was one thing that he wanted me to give up, I got invited to fantasy football. <laughs> and as some of you know, that can take up a lot of time. Um, and I gave up video games as a bad habit, and I kind of transferred all that energy, all that negative energy into another. And that was one thing... Um, that I had to work through. My anger with God came from, well, a miracle. Uh, my, cousin, my cousin fell down and he popped his knee out of place. And from then on, he had to be very care- careful because if he moved a little bit weird, he would pop it back out and he was pretty heavy and he gained a lot of weight at the time, which obviously doesn't help. Uh, he was on a cane, he could barely move around. And then he called me one night after my grandma's funeral last year. He's like, man, my knee's better. I'm like, there's no way your knee's better because earlier that he was like, it was insane how, how much of a hard time he was getting around. And that, I let that create anger with me with God and because from my perspective, I was doing everything right. I was going to church as much as I could and doing all, I was doing the formula, I guess, how I can put it. And I was in a lot of pain and my body was at a rough place. I got in a car accident five years ago now. So I was like, all right, he's not following you, and you're, he's getting their healing. Where's mine, right? God put it on my heart to give these parts of my life up, and it was extremely difficult for me. I had good days and bad days, but I know going into it, that stopping was in my best interest. And it was not possible without the help of my family, my friends, and, of course, God. Fast forward to three weeks ago, I got a text here while at church that my grandpa passed away. At that point, my family knew it was going to happen. I visited, and we, were, we knew it was the countdown time. And 
I was trying to be strong for my family, my friends, and when you repress feelings like that, I dove back into the deep end of all my sin. And I was doing some other stuff that God didn't want me to do anymore, and he told me not to drink, and I was having like a beer a day and disobeying the laws of the land. And, but thankfully, God is, he looks past those things if you repent and you're truly, uh, you're honest about wanting forgiveness over it. And I was able to find comfort I needed to realize what was going on, thank to God. And he spoke to me using scriptures that he's used in my life in the past, how I was able to get rid of all of those barriers in my life from him. And I just wanted to share some of them with you because they've been a really big part of my life and I feel like they can really help out anybody else or a few other people. One of the ones is Romans 13, 1 to 5. Obey the government, for God is the one who has put it there. There is no government anywhere that God has not placed in power. So those who refuse to obey the laws of the land refuse to obey God, and punish will follow. For the politicians do not frighten people who are doing right, but those doing evil will always fear him. So if you don't want to be afraid, keep the laws, and you will get along well. Another one, I started doing, diving into a lot of soul, uh, reading by myself, and another one was Luke, chapter 9, verse 62. And Jesus said to him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That one really hit home to me, or because as we move forward with our relationship and we look back to what he wants us to give up and like, oh, it's okay if I drink once right here or, or whatever, right? And he wants us to get rid of them fully. And I first thought it was like a very condemning scripture. And as I read it more and prayed about it more, it's like, no, it's not. It's, it's Jesus showing his love towards people that if this is if you want to pursue with God, you need to get rid of them, pick up your plow, and move past them forever. And the final one I'll talk about is First John chapter nine, verse nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse them, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And to wrap it up, for a long time I felt that my prayers for healing were going unanswered. Again, I okay, never mind. I'll get get into it. But I realized how God wanted me to identify and work on my barriers that were keeping me from him. It was a struggle, but with the help of God and my loved ones, it became a lot easier. It was not for a few months that I realized that God rewarded me, and I didn't even realize it. Again, like a few years, or five years ago, I got in a bad car accident, and I got rear-ended, and that messed up my spine, my neck, everything. And two years ago, at the gym, I was doing some leg exercises, and I did something to my hip, and I was in extreme pain every time I lay down on my back. And what was it? In the springtime, I was lifting steel at work, way too heavy. We should not have been lifting it. Got it to about here, and then I felt a pop in my arm, and I tore a muscle. And it was not for a few months I realized God rewarded me, and I did not even realize it until I moved around in bed and noticed my body was not in pain. Years ago, yeah, okay. From my experience, I stress to you all that if you feel your prayers are not going unanswered, that there might be something that God wants from you first. How you, I know how great the rewards are, and I hope, 
I motivate you to do the same. What I've forgotten here is I noticed all of those pains were gone. They, I don't know how to explain it. It's just one day you realize, like, I am not, in, my arm is not hurting all the time, my hip's not hurting all the time, my back, my neck. It's just feeling and experiencing the healing is something incredible. And God, that, and God wants that for everybody. Just if we're going to pick up our plow with him, we need to keep the past in the past and move forward with him. Good job, eh? Let me just see. Oh, he's not shaking too bad anymore. You know, we prayed for faith and stuff today, and sometimes, you know, it's just right on the spot, right? So you were put in a situation where it took faith, right? To trust in God. And that's part of our journey is we've got to take that step. Are you excited to go into the ministry now? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, give this guy a hand. He did an amazing job. Good job, buddy. Go ahead. I'm really proud of him. That's not easy, right? It's hard to do that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, Paul said it last week that the number one fear uh, over death is actually public speaking, right? And it's true. It's not an easy thing to do. So I could bring a few of you up right now, and that panic starts to kind of grip you, and it creeps in there. So, But if you're going to be a pastor, brother, we're going to get you up here more, right? So that'll be good. All right. Amen, right? Well, I want to read uh, a scripture here because if there's a title to this, uh, it would be something to the effect of a heavenly mindset or developing the mind of Christ because I really think that's the key to this. And I was just reading through the scripture. Paul has uh, this little Bible app, and he loves sharing all the scriptures he's reading, so they always, you know, bing on my phone every time he's reading a scripture and stuff like that. And so he was reading a scripture, and so we're going to go to Luke Uh, chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to talk about the 70 that were sent out, right? These were the ones Jesus was actually discipling and training, and he was sending them out before him. And they were on a mission. He had a plan for them, but he had a greater plan because he was going to go out and he was going to deliver the word as well. So I just want to touch on this a little bit, and I want to just draw a connection between this chapter in the Bible and about us getting our minds in line with Christ. And it says this. It says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70, or 72, some people will say, others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers into his harvest. Can we just pause there? Every time I read that, I feel like Lord, the Lord tells me, you've got to pray for the harvest, pray for the laborers. And I want us to pause and I want us to do that again. Because again, he tells us right there to do that, that we need to pray for the laborers. And so, Father God, right now, I, I just want to pause in the middle of this message and say, God, we know it's harvest season. You've been telling that to the body of Christ, not just here at Community Church, but all over the place. It's harvest season. And Father God, right now, we pray that you would bring forth laborers. God, bring forth the laborers in Jesus' name. Bring forth the laborers in Spruce Grove. Bring forth the laborers in Stony Plain. Bring forth the laborers in Edmonton and all around Alberta and all around Canada and all around North America and all around our world. 
we declare the laborers will come forth in Jesus' name. Verse 3 says, Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. You got to think about that one. Like, that's a real, like, a great speech before you send everybody out, right? You know, like, I think we do these kind of things where we're about to go do whatever it is, and we do those pump-up speeches. You know, sports does it all the time. But, but here's his pump-up speech. I send you out as lambs among, amongst wolves. I don't know how many of you are going to sign up for that mission or not, right? That's a little scary. Carry neither money bag knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. That's an interesting statement, right? Well, he's basically telling them you have everything you need, right? So pack light. You don't need a backpack. You don't need money. You don't need your sandals. Interesting statement, though, that he says there is greet no one along the road, which he's basically saying is this. This is urgent. I don't want nothing getting in the way. Nothing should stop you. Be about the mission because he had a plan at that moment in time, and he didn't want any of them to get distracted from that plan. And then he says to him, But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if the Son of Peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, and remain in the same house eating and drinking such things as they give you. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. This is an interesting statement too, right? You know, I know we used to do a lot of evangelism where it was just door to door. And really what he's talking about here is this isn't about putting a notch on your belt, right? This isn't about, you know, I went to 500 houses today, right? And then we declare that in front of the church. What he's saying is no, stop in that house. And if they open up to you, Sit with them. Eat with them. In fact, eat the food they've given you. You want to know the form for evangelism today? Is relationship. Is love. God knows our agendas. He knows when we're doing it just to get that notch on our shoulder. That's why he specifically told them, I don't want you running in and running out. Sit in the home. Eat with them. Be with them. Love them. Whatever city you enter and, re- and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. I just think that's such a powerful scripture. And as I was reading it, you know, God kept bringing me back to that, that phrase as lambs amongst wolves, lambs amongst wolves. And it made me think of the body of Christ. And let me ask you this question is, do you feel that even in your daily journey that we are in a sense, because this is who we are too, lamb, lambs amongst wolves. We go into our workplaces, we go into our schools, we go into our communities, we go into all these different places, and it can be very hostile. The Word tells us they are going to reject us. They are going to despise us. 
this is not an easy task. When we know this, we're like lambs amongst wolves. What's actually going to get you to say yes to that mission? Because the honest truth that I think is they had the mind of Christ. I think they had the absolute mind of Christ at that time. And they could see what he was going to do. They didn't have doubt, just like we prayed this morning. They had faith that God was going to do great and amazing things. That even when that statement came out, there was no fear in their heart. It was like, we're ready for this mission. Let's go and do this. Because we know who our king is. We know he resides in each and every one of us. And so I feel like God is reminding us that in Matthew, we have a great commission set before us. The great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And he tells us that I've actually given you the authority to do this. A call that is upon everybody, everybody who is a believer in Christ. So today I, I felt like God wanted me to remind us of a few things and to encourage us maybe to get ourselves into some settings, to do some things that are necessary, because at this time in our journey, we need the mind of Christ. In order to do what he's told us to do, in order to accomplish his plans, there's no other ways of doing it. In fact, we will not accomplish it until we get the mind of Christ. And this is not something that we just get to push a button, right? It doesn't happen that way. It's something we have to keep working at and working for. And I'm going to read some scriptures coming up here. But one of the things that these guys got to do, and one of the things that we get to do, is we actually get to share the mind of Christ with other people. That's what he's asking us to do. As believers, in this certain situation, he is literally telling them, I've given you the mind of Christ. You are now my ambassadors. And as my ambassadors, I want you to go and share my mind, my thoughts, with everybody that you are around. And that's a hard thing to do because I think sometimes when it comes to, I'm not just going to focus on outreach and evangelism, but it is part of it, right? It's, it's part of the journey, right? The Great Commission, it, it's right there. It's for all of us. And there's something about outreach and evangelism. I believe it. And I remember years ago, um, because, again, for me, you know, some of you, who are the ones who get those prophetic words all the time, right? When you're in church, they come a lot and stuff like that. Okay, I've shared before. That doesn't always happen to me. But when God gives me a prophetic word, it's outside of the church. And I've shared a little bit of this story before. But I just remember a time that uh, I was working with the city of Spruce Grove. And uh, the Lord had told me to go for coffee with a few people from the city. And I was building a relationship with them connecting with them, having coffee, sharing thoughts, sharing ideas. We did this for an entire year. And one of the things the Lord told me is every time you connect with them, I'm not asking you just to go and be their friends. I'm asking you to go and to share my mind, my heart with them. Each time you're with them. Be a light every time you sit down with them. Because it's not only going to benefit them, it's going to benefit you. And I didn't fully understand what that meant at the time. But I remember one day specifically, I was going to meet them both, 
Uh, it was Christy and another girl. And I was going to meet him at a restaurant. And as I was going to the restaurant, before I went through the door, all of a sudden I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, right, tell him to let him go. And I'm thinking, that is a random thought. You know, what am I going to do with that random thought? I'm not going to say that to them. You know, and again, I hear the Lord say it again. I want you to tell him to let him go. I hear it three or four times. I mean, this is weighing on my heart, right? I made a promise to the Lord years ago that if I heard him say something, as stupid as it sounded, that I would do it, right? And so I'm walking through the door, and they could just see it on my face, right? I'm walking towards the table, and I could tell you I was that sheepish guy walking towards them. It was that concept of, like, this lamb amongst wolves. Like, they're going to totally, like, reject me and think I'm an idiot and I'm stupid and spit in my face. I don't know, right? You know, all these thoughts go through your head. And uh, so I just walk, and I sit down, and they both just look at me, and they're like, well, what's going on? Like, did something happen? You look like you're kind of taken out. And I just looked at him, and I said, this may sound so weird to you guys, but I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you something. They're like, well, what do you want to tell us? And I'm like, this is going to sound weird. And I say to him, I'm like, I just think I'm supposed to tell you to let him go. (laughs) Right? Does that mean anything to you, right? And they both look at each other. And then all of a sudden, the girl looks at me and goes, why did you just say that? I'm like, because God just, I felt like God told me to. I didn't want to lie. I couldn't say, you know. I had to be honest and say, I felt like God told me to tell you that you're supposed to let him go. And these, these girls looked at me and they said to me, this is crazy because we were just sitting here talking about a guy. And he's a guy who works for us. And we've been having issues with him because he's been trying to push some things upon us that we're not very comfortable with. And we said to ourselves, should we keep this guy or should we let him go? Right before you walked in, one of those moments where I'm so glad for the Holy Spirit, right? Now, I'm going to say this because Christy got saved not long after that, right? She started going to a Bible study with my wife and stuff. You know, God had a purpose and he had a plan. And one of the things that he constantly tells me is, you get to share the mind of Christ with other people, but you need to make sure that the mind of Christ is in you, right? The mind of Christ has to be in you. Now, one of the things I want to point out again from that passage that I think is important for us to understand, I want to go back to that actually, just this one part. It says this, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals along the road. That really stood out to me. It's what Nathan's talking about, right? It made me ask some questions. And the questions were this, God, what am I carrying right now that I don't need? What are the things that we have in our life right now that we don't need. Because he actually has a mission that is far greater than anything we can imagine. We sometimes get caught in the worldly perspectives. Retirements, jobs, family, schooling, entertainment, sports, all these different things. They take up a lot of our time. And I feel like God has just been challenging the body of Christ. And I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. Right? I am not saying that they're wrong. But what I'm saying is this. 
is if anything owns us, it becomes a problem. If any of these things begin to cause our thoughts to be more about them than the Lord, it starts to become a problem. And God is saying, I want to transform your minds. I want to shift what you're thinking about. But you need to come in alignment with that yourselves. There's a scripture in the Bible I want to touch on here. It's in Colossians 3 verse 1. And it says this. It says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Keep thinking about things above, not things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed in glory with him. That's a powerful scripture. I mean, I want to read a couple parts. Keep thinking about the things above, not the things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. So he is calling us to focus on the things above. And we need to ask the question is, why do we think Satan constantly comes at us? And he tries to hit us with our doubts and our fears and all of these distractions. Because he knows if we start to dwell on the things above, things start to change. Your current circumstances right now, I, I fully believe this. That as we fully embrace the heart and the mind of Jesus Christ, those things begin to fall to the ground. We all have the stuff right now. It just tells me something. I need to get closer to him. I need to get closer to him. God, show me how to get closer to you. And so I think there's multiple ways we can do this. Uh, I do think one of them is we actually need to actually start to act in our faith. There's a statement in there that tells us that too, right? We need to start to act on the things of Christ. We need to move forward. We need to set our mind on Christ, which actually means to seek, right? To seek these things. We have an action step we have to take, right? And so it means it's a combination of things. One of the things, it is outreach and evangelism. Do you know one of the things that I know outreach and evangelism does is it causes you to seek the Word of God? Ask the teachers. Ask those that love to disciple. There's something so valuable in it that isn't just for the people you're teaching. Every time Jim prepares a message in a sermon, he's getting all of that in his heart. When we do outreach in evangelism, it's the same thing. You know, I remember back in high school, God always reminds me of these things. I remember I was 18 years old, saved for probably six, seven, eight months, and I wanted to save the world, right? Does anybody remember those days? You just got saved and you're ready to go save the whole world? Okay, God, bring those days back, right? Bring those days back where that is important to us again, where it is something we think about all the time. I remember being in that school, and my friend and I, Kevin Hebert, die knows him, um, we would sit there and we'd just talk about the things of God. And God brought him into my life. You know Kevin Hebert too, that's right. You know, God brought him into my life because he's a faithful believer. Right? So me and him just started talking about the things of God and we started dreaming together and we started dreaming together and we started saying, we can't leave this high school without people knowing who Jesus is. So we started praying and asking God, what does that look like? What does that look like? What does that look like? And God said to us, I want you to teach a class. At lunchtime, you're going to teach a class on revelations. What? 
that's that scary one. Like the adults all tell us how confusing it is. How am I supposed to learn anything about Revelations? Let me tell you something about Revelations, folks. You need to read it. You know why? Because it tells you about your eternal destiny. It tells you there is a second coming. And guess what? We do this for a reason. Because he's coming back. Right? Revelations talks all about that stuff. And it tells us about our eternal destination with him. No more pain. No more suffering. All of that stuff ends. How many people in the world want that? They all do. So why did he tell us to teach Revelations? I think that might have something to do with it. But, I mean, you've got two kids who, I mean, we don't know too much. I'm six months into this thing. But what did it cause us to do? Dig. Seek. We set our minds on the Word of God. I mean, Friday night, if you're not out with your friends, there's a problem, right? You feel like a bit of a loser sometimes, you know, especially for those that have that, uh, not introvert, the extrovert personality, right? I'm the dolphin. How many dolphins in here? Right? You got to be around people all the time. Ben is definitely a dolphin, right? You know, something about dolphins is they know 100 people, but they might know two or three of their names, right? <laughs> it's true. Unfortunately, that was me a little bit. I don't know. Is that you, Ben? <laughs> you declined to answer that. Of course you do, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm going to tell you something, man. For me to give up my Friday nights, and we did this. I don't know how long. I, I, I think we did this for two or three weeks straight. We literally were in the Word of God. We went from chapter 1 to the end of Revelations. We studied every single part of it. And then the next question came into, into our mind. Is anybody going to show up? <laughs> like, who's going to show up at a high school? Well, 100 people showed up. 100 people showed up! We did two or three of them every single time. They all showed up. They weren't Christians. A high percentage of them were non-Christians. Let me tell you something. I am so thankful I did that because it kept me grounded in the Word of God. And when I think back to that time, I think, God, my faith was in a place that, man, I want to get back to that. But I know why it was at that place. Because my mind was fully in you. I had set my mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. I mean, that world is constantly trying to trap us in that. It's trying to pull us to focus on the things down here, right? Tries to tell us what to do, how to live, who to hang out with, right? The world is always saying those things. They're cooler, this, that, I get along with them better. They don't judge. What does he say? What does he say? What does he want you to do, right? Because outreach and evangelism, it blends right into servanthood too. And he doesn't care about who it is. Well, I shouldn't say that. We care sometimes who it is we're talking to, but he doesn't. He just cares about the person, right? Because another part of this I want to challenge us in, and God has showed me this, is I don't believe that we do works for the sake of doing works, but I think it's vital for us to serve. Servanthood is, it create, it's, it's humbling. It's a humbling thing that we do. And we have to remember that Jesus himself said, right? I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Serving does something. And I challenge myself in this all the time. God, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? And the one he's challenged me on right now is this, 
is he keeps telling me to shovel my neighbor's yards. I mean, okay, God, that's not a big thing. That's kind of small, small ticket. What, you want me to come shovel your yard? Is that what that? <laughs> well, you do the same thing, right? It doesn't matter. If I go home after church and it snows, I'm like, I'm going home. I'm going to eat. I'm going to watch some football. And then I see the snow and I hear the Lord say, no, you're not. You're going to shovel the yards. God, I don't want to shovel the yard. Yeah, you're going to shovel the yards. Right? Todd doesn't like it when I talk about this because he does that stuff all the time, right? But it's still important, right, Todd? Come on. Well, let me tell you something, man. I wonder sometimes, is that stuff worth it? Why do we do it? And I mean, I, I always shovel the yards. I just do it, right? I go out there and I shovel the yards. We have a single lady on the one side, another family I didn't know well, too well on the other. And I just go and I shovel the yards. And all of a sudden, one day, I'm shoveling, right? And of course, the lady comes out and she goes, I keep trying to beat you out here because you keep shoveling my yard and one day I'm going to beat you. I just looked at her and I said, no, you're not, right? Went back in. Come out and I shovel again, you know, and she comes out again. Oh, I just about did it. Now, there's a part of me that thinks, yeah, right. You were probably waiting for me to do it, and then you come out and say that, right? Well, you know what's crazy is I don't know what happened in that house, but all of a sudden, her son, who's probably in his, what, 20s? Early 20s. He's got a bit of a development issue. Something's up. Let's just say that. All right? I don't know what's up. He's an amazing kid, though. And uh, all of a sudden, this kid's getting up probably 30 minutes before me. And, I mean, it's turning into a competition. <laughs> right? It's on. Like, honestly, all of a sudden, I didn't want to shovel, but now it's like, I'm getting up before you. Right? I'm going to beat you to the shovel. Right? I'm doing this. You know? And all of a sudden, sometimes we come outside at the same time. And I'm like, he's like, I got out at the same time. Like, fine, let's do it, you know? And we're shoveling each other's yards. We go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And at Christmas, all of a sudden, the mom shows up. She knocks on her door, and she walks into the house, and she brings us a gift just to say thank you. We've had so many conversations with this family since that time. The door is open to talk to them, always. I mean, I went the other day. I felt like the Lord said, you got to go get this kid a coffee card. Go do something for him. I showed up at his house, I don't know, two nights ago, right? I show up at his house and knock on the door because he's actually, we drove home and he's staring out the window at us like this. And I'm like, what is he doing, right? And I'm like, well, I wave at him to come and he comes to the door and I just walk up and I said, hey, I bought you a coffee card just to say thank you. And he looks at me and goes, oh, it's awesome. And he comes up, he gives me the biggest hug, right? And I said, well, I hope you have a good night. And he goes, I am, I'm on my fourth beer already. I'm like, okay. Stuff that we may think doesn't matter. It does so. It all matters. It's the good Samaritan. I mean, this is the stuff. You want to get the mind of Christ? Every detail matters. Right? We can come to church for two hours, but if you leave here and it's not in your life every moment of every day, it fades. It fades and it fades. We get frustrated and we get angry. For some of us, we don't want to read our word because those are two things I need to touch on. You know what we need to do? We need to read the word of God. You want the mind of Christ? Let's, let's read what it says. This is in Isaiah. Okay? Think about this. Deuter- or, sorry, not Isaiah. This is Deuteronomy 6, 6-9. It says, The commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Whew. Why? Because you need it in here. You need it in the heart. It's got to get in there, right? Has to. I don't care how many pictures you have up in your house. Make sure the scripture is included in it, right? Get the word of God in your heart. You want the mind of Christ? We can't deal without it. We have to have it. The word of God refreshes our minds. It transforms our way of thinking. It renews us. We get our mind thinking on things that are right. God, give us a love for your word. Give us a love for your word, God, that we can't go a day without reading it. May we always get the word of God in our hearts. You know, uh, a couple weeks ago, Gavin spoke here. It came up in that last 10 minutes. One of the things I noticed was this. Is he declared, what, six to ten scriptures? He didn't have his Bible once. Because it's in his heart. You talk to Gavin and Mel right now. You know what they're going to talk to you about. Right? It's in their heart right now. Every time I go for lunch or coffee with that guy, that's all we talk about. We need to do that for one another. This other stuff, I'm not saying again, is wrong. We need to talk about the things of God. Because we need to get that generating in our heart every day. Because I know right now, some of you, your faith is not high. Your faith is a little down. God's saying, let's stir that stuff up again. Let's stir that stuff up again. And it starts with the next one, too, is prayer. You know, we are a praying church. Cam may talk about this coming up, right? We've talked about it before. We need to talk about prayer again. What is prayer? What are the different ways of praying? But let me say something. The Word says this, that the prayers of a righteous man are what? Powerful and effective. Right? It also says this. It says that we are to pray always and to be persistent in our prayers. We're to pray corporately, but we're to pray personally. In fact, our corporate prayer should be fueled by your personal prayer. We should be with him all the time, seeking his face. Prayer is essential to our journey. As we pray, we know it releases things from heaven. I love Mark's illustration. It's like pulling cords down as we pray. It's like pulling cords down and more cords down and more cords down. You want the mind of Christ? Pray. And if you don't like praying, pray more. Pray until you like it. Right? You don't like reading the Word. Read the Word more. Right? Until you like it. Until it's gripped your heart. Until that's the one thing you cannot go without. Right? God, show us how to do that, man. I'm going to give you another one here. Because I think this is important for us to think. And then I'm going to give you some scriptures. This right here is important. Church life. To get the mindset of Christ, this is vital to your journey. We know we're not to forsake the assembly of the saints. But there's a reason why. But in all honesty, all the churches right now, they're doing the same thing we're doing. You know what's going on? People have just been singing to Jesus. Declaring life. Telling him how much they love him together corporately. The word of God is being spoken all over the place. 
People are praying all over the world. And God is moving right now. He's moving right now. You know what else this does? When you have a bad day, you get to be with other believers. You get to find someone to encourage you, someone to walk with you. We get accountability. We get all kinds of things from church. Last week I was at a... uh, Dave, is it okay if I share that little dream you shared with us? Okay. And Luana, where are you? Right there. I'm going to share a little bit about what you both shared. You know, I was at a connect group last week, and uh, there's probably about 17 of us there or so, and uh, everybody just started to share a little bit of their journey and their story, and Dave shared a dream. I mean, that, that dream has stuck with me, you know, and hopefully I get this right, and if I don't, you can tell me right here, is he shared a, a dream that he was actually fighting two lions, and he actually beat the first lion. He took it down. But he couldn't get past the second one. It got him. And God had told him something. You're not meant to be alone. That's why we need each other. Luanne, Luan, right? Am I saying it right? She shared uh, just about her safari. And, and you guys know this, that if you, you watch any of the safari videos, you know the lions, when they're stalking their prey, they try to divide and conquer. They divide the young ones, they go, and they take them down. That's what they do. That's what our enemy does. He tries to divide and conquer. He tries to get us out of the house of God. He tries to get us on our own. Let me tell you something. You need to be in the church. Because just like Dave said, you can't do it alone. It's vital to our journey. I want to read you a few scriptures because I know I'm out of time here, but... Just a few scriptures to get down in your hearts that I think are vital to our, our journey. Isaiah 26, 2 and 3 says, Open the gates that the righteous nation, which keeps the truth, may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Whose mind is stayed on you will find perfect peace. God, keep our minds on you. Our thoughts should be founded on our eternal Lord always. That's what he wants. 1 Peter 1.13 says this, Therefore, gird up your loins, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's basically saying get rid of all the junk and get ready for action. Start to move forward in your journey. Don't stay planted because that's where your faith will be built. Things will shift. Things will change. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 tells us to focus on whatever is true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. We're to think about such things. And if we do, the God of peace will be with you. The opposite, if we don't, is Romans 8, 5, and 6. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is a life of peace. It's a battle. Again, remember, we are to set our minds, which means we need to be active in this. Right? It's not one prayer or push a button, it's done. We are to daily be active in this all the time. 
So what Chris just read there, there's, there was a, just a little phrase that we don't use. And so, you know, it's a churchy phrase kind of thing from the Bible. It was, gird up the loins of your mind. So what does gird up the loins mean? Do you know what it is? Okay, so these guys, back in, in Jesus' day, they wore robes, right? They wore a long thing. And how can you run, ladies in a skirt, right? How can you So what did they do? They pulled it up so that it was out of the way of their legs so they could run like crazy, okay? That's girding up your loins. So what's girding up the loins of your mind? Getting rid of all that other stuff that's in the way so you can run. And I just, I, I just felt like it was such a critical piece to, to just agree here in, in, in with the Scripture that we want to get rid of all that stuff in our minds, all the stuff that takes our time, all the stuff that takes our attention, all of the stuff... That, that actually distracts us from what God is actually saying. Gird up the loins of our minds so we can run. Having a heavenly mindset changes everything. Changes how we deal with dis- disputes in the church. Changes how we deal with disputes at home with our spouses and our kids. It changes how we conduct business, how we deal with peer pressure and compromise, how we deal with financial trouble, how we deal with pain and suffering. We can't actually function without the mind of Christ. So I'm going to take us back to that scripture where Jesus says to them, you don't need a backpack, you don't need money, and you don't need shoes. God, show us what we don't need. Show us what we don't need right now. And I'm going to pray that, and I'm going to ask you to pray that to yourselves. Each of our journeys are different that way. But God wants to reveal those things to us. He wants to deal with those things that are in the way. Because that faith that you want, that walk with Jesus Christ that you so want, it's available. It's in front of each and every one of us. So he's going to ask us all to look in that mirror and to lay down those things that we don't need. And just like Jim said now, gird up, get ready to go. Start praying. Start reading your words. Start getting around other believers. Start doing what he wants us to do. Be about the Lord's business. So, Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ right now for each one in this room. Father, I pray that you would show each and every one of us the things that we need to lay down right now, God. Those things that are in the way, those distractions. Father, those things that have begun to own us. We don't want them owning us anymore. Father, we ask that you would cleanse us, that you would purify us. God, that you would renew our minds, that you would transform our way of thinking. God, that you would increase our faith, that the desires of our heart would fall in line with the desires of your heart. And God, may that be at the front and the center of everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. But I pray the blessing of the Lord upon each and every one of you as you go. Amen.